time of year when everybody gathers here to watch migratory birds. Specifically, where will you be this weekend? The main kind of epicenter of the whole activity is a boardwalk close to Black Swamp Bird Observatory. And that's where, uh, for various reasons, a lot of the migratory birds tend to get at a, a kind of level where it's easy to see them. So it's very, very popular for birders to come from all over the country, even all over the world, because this, this particular spot is right where the birds are deci- trying to decide are they going to fly across the lake or are they going to go around the lake. And a lot of them fly across the lake and they kind of route via uh, Point Pelee in Canada to points north, and then some of them go, go around the lake. They're sort of resting, waiting to make their next step over the lake. That's a great place to see lots of birds. So what is your personal and, of course, the American Bird Conservancy's interest in this year's migration? Is there anything unique to it, or are you looking for specific species this year? The event which is going on, which is called the Biggest Week in American Birding, which is run by Kim Kaufman from Black Swamp Bird Observatory and uh, her husband, Ken Kaufman, who's one of the leading bird watchers in the country. Um, they have popularized the area here along the Erie Lakeshore um, to a degree that it, it's just become a complete uh, must-go-to event for the birding social calendar as well as the birding calendar itself. So that's kind of why we're coming, is to just sort of catch up with all the people and catch up with the birds simultaneously. And they've got around 50,000 people who are going to come through that area over the course of a month. But it's mostly concentrated in this one next week, which is the week when you get the peak bird migration coming through the area. For amateur birders, what species should we be looking for? This whole biggest week is famous for warblers, and they call this area the warbler capital of the world. And there are about 30 species of American wood warblers that um, people are going to be looking for. And if you can see more than 30, you're doing pretty well. Even if you just see 30, you're doing well. Some of them are much more common, and then some of them are very rare, like the Kirtland's warbler, which comes through this area on its way to breeding grounds, mostly in Michigan and also a little bit in um, Wisconsin and Ontario. But that's a bird that comes from uh, winters in the Bahamas, and it's listed as an endangered species. So that's one of the big-ticket items that people are going to be excited to look for. And so some of these birds are coming from as far south as the Andes of South America. Some of them are coming from the Caribbean. Some of them are just coming from the southern United States. But they're all going to descend on this area as they get funneled through and around the Great Lakes. They don't like to fly across water all that much. They can do, but to the degree they can avoid it, they will. And interestingly enough, a lot of people don't know this, but most of these birds migrate at night, and they do that to avoid predators such as some of the other migratory birds that will be in this area, such as sharp-shinned and cooper's hawks, which feed on migratory birds. That's what's going on here, and so it kind of becomes exciting when you go in the morning because the birds will be very different from the birds that were there the previous evening. And depending on the weather patterns, you can get some really exciting fallouts where uh, if the conditions are exactly right, you get birds moving from the south. And then if you have uh, you know, inclement weather coming in, that tends to bring the birds down. So if it's, if it's raining put to, uh, to the north or right at, at the coast of the lake, uh, the birds will land and you know, stay there until they've refueled a little bit. So in, under those conditions, you get what you call a fallout, which can be thousands and thousands of these migratory birds and at Black Swamp that's where they're all waiting to cross the lake so if you have these exact conditions it can be incredibly exciting for bird watchers because they're going to have all of these birds Um, and as I said earlier sometimes in situations where you don't often see them because many of these birds once they go into their breeding areas they're in the treetops they sort of they're harder to find but during migration you can see birds which normally would be hard to see 
um, and you'd have to, you know, travel over a long area to see all of them, but they all congregate in this one area at this one time. So that's why it's so exciting for birders. Is there any indication that this very, very lingering winter that we had in Michigan and other places in the Northeast has slowed them down this year? In other words, are they still on schedule? Um, I would, you know, maybe one or two days behind, but uh, I, I think they're about on schedule. You know, the, the birds can move through areas very, very quickly. Um, so as soon as the conditions are right, they're going to move in because um, they're in a race. Uh, actually against each other to find the best territories for nesting. So during spring migration, they have to time their migration to arrive at precisely the first moment that they can when the areas are going to have food for them. So if if they arrive too soon, there's going to be no food. If they arrive too late, then their competitors from the same species will have occupied all the best nesting territories. So they're trying to pick the exact day or a day range to arrive. And they kind of they map that out pretty well each year. It, it more or less is exactly the same time. But it can depend on weather. On, it's more localized weather effects probably than the lingering uh, winter, which as far as I can tell, you know, most of these birds are now coming through in their usual numbers. So what is the greatest threat to the species that are migrating? Well, during migration, uh, you know, it's a dangerous time for them, just like uh, human beings. You know, it's, it's we have to take safety precautions when we travel and they're exposed to um, weather conditions which are harsh and that they're moving in areas they're not used to. Um, there's also predation, natural predation from uh, hawks and falcons. But, you know, the, the kind of urban industrial landscape we've created is also a, a, a commando course for these birds to have to navigate. And so, night, as I said, they migrate during the night, most of them. So lighting can be distracting to them and they can end up following things like major highways. Some of the radar uh, data shows that they follow highways. And we don't know what effect that has on them, but, uh, you know, it's a distraction for them, and they get confused by lights. Um, Other things that can be a problem for them are uh, colliding with glass buildings. Um, Sometimes the lights of cities will attract the birds in. They become confused, and then they go down and stay in in the trees. Uh, Central Park, New York's a, a big example of this. When they try to leave, they're confronted by all these confusing glass, large glass windows, which sometimes reflect trees, and they can collide with those, not realizing that there's glass there. So glass collisions can be a big problem. Um, Collisions with any lighted object, such as communication towers, uh, which have got steady burning red or white lights, um, they tend to attract birds, and they can collide with those towers, particularly in poor weather. Uh, And then other things are just domestic cats. um, And... If, if there are cats outside and the birds are driven down by weather or, you know, under normal circumstances, they're just living in neighborhoods where the cats can be um, prowling around, that can be a problem. There's some hundred plus million cats in the United States. So uh, each, each cat, not all cats, of course, kill birds, but some do. And the ones that are outside tend to kill some birds. But you take those numbers and it adds up to a significant um, toll. So... It's really kind of a combination of all these things, and unfortunately, it's it's leading to declining populations, and that's something that we're really concerned about. Um, and I think we're going to just have to sort of change the way we value things like birds. A lot of people don't really focus on this um, in their daily lives, but they're all around you. And if the birds aren't doing well, it's telling us something about the environment that we're creating for ourselves. They're kind of a litmus test or a canary in the coal mine that suggests that 
you know, the entire environment is not doing as well as it ought to be. And eventually, of course, it's going to start impacting on us. So things we can do to improve the situation for migratory birds are obviously going to be very positive. And there's, there's a number of steps you can do. Um, American Bird Conservancy's website is a good place to look for that, abcbirds.org. We have a number of solutions that people can adopt, um, particularly for the issues with glass windows and cats. Um, then there's you know, many other things that we can do collectively as a community to try and encourage best uh, practices by industries and others that could affect birds at a large scale, like the wind industry, um, communication towers and the way they're lit. Uh, so there's a number of things on the website there that can, you can engage with that you can uh, you know, lend a hand to the effort to try and protect these birds. I thank you so much for your time, but I wanted to ask you whether there was anything that we didn't touch on about your travels this weekend or the migration or otherwise that you think listeners should know. I just think it's interesting that some of these birds which are coming through Ohio now have left um, Central America a few days ago or even parts of the Amazon or the Andes of South America, and they're all you know, traveling north, and they're going to head quite a bit further north still, um, some as far as the Arctic Circle. Is, is that what just, you call neotropical migration? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, birds that spend the winter in the, neotro- the, the New World tropics or the neotropics and travel to boreal regions or uh, the rest of the United States to, to breed. You know, the, these birds are just, a, you know, an ounce or two. Um, so, you know, some are a little larger, but some are even smaller, like the hummingbirds. And they've got incredible, an incredible ability to conduct these enormous, challenging migrations. And they don't have uh, vehicles. They don't have any insulating clothes. They don't have GPS. Um, but they can nevertheless do it coming from South America. And just, you know, picture what it would be like to do that. Um, it's an incredible thing. And I think we ought to roll out the welcome map for them um, the best we can and think about things that we can do to make um, – this environment uh, in our areas as uh, positive a place for them to be as possible because they've got a big challenge on their hands and migration is difficult for them. But uh, if we do the right things, I think we can help them out a lot.